What is going on? Bar Down Breakdown, episode 172. So this is going to be a little bit different of an episode because we're not going to have necessarily a new interview. We're going to throw it back to one of our favorite interviews with Derek from State Champs. Um, I was actually not going to put out an episode today, but can't let the three-year streak come to an end. Um, A lot's going on with the tour, Elder Emo Night, and the festival, and Tom's still recovering from his surgery, so it seemed like a perfect time to skip, but it's a rainy day, and I decided, you know what, we've got a lot of new subscribers and listeners since this episode dropped, so some people might not have had a chance to listen to it, and it's kind of funny because in this episode, Derek's talking about recording their new album, which just came out, you know, last month, and we're talking about Kings of the New Age, which I'm sure is a lot of your favorite record for the summer, Um, a lot of bops on that, as the kids would say, and uh, I I must say, uh, you know, State Champs is, is... on that track of being just a lifetime band. Like they're following in the footsteps of like the Simple Plans and the Sum 41s, and they're, they're following a correct formula where I can see long-term success for this band, and it's awesome to see. And uh, just the other day, I saw that they got some hometown love from Albany, New York, which was cool to see. They got to play Alive at Five, and uh, (laughs) funny story, my wife Caitlin actually was an intern for Alive at Five when we were still living in Albany, and uh, never really acts that I wanted to see. Um, I I think the coolest one that came through while I was living in Albany was Blues Traveler, and uh, Caitlin mentioned how they were still like really nice, genuine dudes, and all their families kind of followed them on tour, which is kind of cool to see. But then to see state champs get to play Alive at Five, which is a free summer concert series where thousands and thousands of people go to these shows and maybe some people that didn't know who state champs was. And uh, it it was cool to see the videos from it. There was just like crowd surfer after crowd surfer after crowd surfer, which... I'm sure is very new for Alive at Five. And one cool thing also that I noticed was that Young Culture, another Albany, New York band, got to open for them. And I'm not sure if that was State Champs doing or not. And if it was State Champs doing, you know, kudos to them for understanding how important that is for someone from Albany and getting their friends to play and open for them. I thought that was really cool. I'm assuming. That's how it went down, but maybe uh, some intern or someone cool at Alive at Five is a young culture fan and, and saw the parallel and the connection and invited them out as well. But very cool to see, you know, State Champs is not going anywhere. They're even doing crossovers. There was a, a country music artist on uh, one of their tracks, which... It's probably my favorite, and I should probably know the name of the track, but I'm so bad with the titles of of songs. Um, Let me see. Act Like That. Yep. And I I just 
had to Google who Mitchell Tenpenny was because I clearly had no idea. And he's like a pop country artist, which, you know, doing crossovers like that is really what, you know, solidifies you as an artist that will be around for a long time. And, you know, kind of going out of your normal features is cool to see. So I'm going to keep this short. We're going to get into the interview with Derek from State Champs as he's talking about the Kings of the New Age, which we didn't hear at the time, but now we all clearly know. Um, But before we do that, I do want to just plug away because like I mentioned, we do have a lot of cool stuff coming up at the end of June that I would love for all of you to come out and say hi and hang out with us because this is kind of special for us. You know, we, we started this podcast as just a way to talk about music and hockey. And then, you know, we found out people actually care to hear what we think. And, you know, fast forward three years later and we were organizing a tour, an elder emo night and a festival. So the tour that I'm speaking of is the Bar Down Break Tour, which is Out of Time, Sleeve, The Crease Rule, and Frontside, all killer bands that you should definitely get tickets to see. It's starting in Hartford, Connecticut, making its way to York, Pennsylvania, then to Richmond, Virginia, Raleigh, North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah, so they're making their way down to Orlando. We're going to have Elder Emo Night at Hourglass Brewery, presented by Convicted Printing. We'll have those four bands that are on the Bar Down Break Tour, plus Aim High, which is going to be playing some Warp Tour classics, and Gold Steps, which will be playing as Paramore. And the icing on the cake is we have Joshua Roberts from the fantastic Magnolia Park hosting and DJing. So definitely going to be a fun time. And did I mention it is free 99? It is literally $0 to come to this awesome event. So really no excuse for that. Going to be a party, just a great way to kick off the weekend. And then it'll lead right up into Bar Down Breakfast, which is presented by Violent Gentlemen. We have two venues. We have Will's Pub and Uncle Lou's. We have 12 bands. It is going to be an all-night just non-stop music. There's not going to be really any break. You can just bounce between the two venues and hear music the entire night. So going to be a blast. Tickets are still on pre-sale. They're $15 in advance. And then if you sleep on that, they will be $20 at the door. So basically get them now. It will buy you your first beer and your first liquid death. All right? So... Get your tickets for that. You can get them at montgomerydrive.com. You can hit the link in our bio. You can hit the link in any of the artist's bio. So plenty of places where you can find those tickets. All right. So I will let just let you guys go. Um, always a pleasure to put this show out. We still have two teams left in the Stanley Cup Finals. We got the Colorado Avalanche and the Tampa Bay Lightning. So please go Avs. 
We don't need Tampa to three-peat and be one step closer to what the Islanders did in the 80s. So go Avs. Let's get Devontae's a cup. Dude is a true winner. I don't know what the Islanders were thinking, letting him go, but wish him the best, and hopefully he gets to hoist the cup. So go Avs. And I almost forgot, at Elder Emo Night, if this series goes to five games, which we can all pretty much predict that it will, there will be Game 5 at Elder Emo Night. So we can listen to music, get the game on all the TVs. We're in Florida. There's probably tons of Tampa fans that are going to be there. I know for a fact the dudes in Convicted, Convicted Printing are. Obviously, our buddy Justin from Out of Time is. So, going to be definitely an exciting night of hockey and music, which is what Bar Down Breakdown is all about. And that's what this interview with Derek from State Champs is all about. So, tune in, listen to a throwback episode, and hopefully we see you at the tour, Elder Emo Night, and Bar Down Breakfast. Peace. Bar Down Breakdown, episode 100. Again, that's 100 episodes that they've let us do. Why? I don't really know. Uh, someone's going to catch on eventually, and gonna, they're going to cancel us. But um, we got we got the homie Derek from State Champs, and he's here with us. And we're going to talk some hockey. We're going to talk some State Champs. We're going to talk some Albany. We're going to talk a lot of stuff. But the first, probably and most important question is, um, how are you hanging on? after the bills lost. <laughs> well, luckily I'm upstate New York. I'm from Albany. So I, I, I was actually raised a Jets fan. So I was born to lose. Oh, and, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm pretty used to this. I was, I was excited to watch the game. I was rooting for the bills. Honestly, it would have been a, a, a history book setting for them. And it was a history book season for them. So it was a good yeah. game to watch. I, I think that was, I mean, it's their best season ever. So they got a future yeah. now, something to look forward to. Yeah. I mean, Josh Allen is, is some kind of a competitor, man. Just like, yeah. you know, Kansas city being Kansas city. I mean, they're just a, they're just a, an unbelievable team. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, they were able to bottle them up, but I mean, you know, watching him play against the Ravens and, uh, and, um, you know, the Colts and, and just, you know, he really is a special player. So, uh, knowing they're going to build the franchise around him is, is kind of cool, but you know, anytime anyone's from upstate, you know, I, I, I always got to, just assume that you're, you know, part of the Bills Mafia, putting people through tables, you know. Like I mean, I love nothing more. I love nothing more than than seeing watching all the viral videos of people missing <laughs> tables. That's probably oh, my God, favorite. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, uh, I'm from Albany. I was I was raised a Jets fan, but uh, and now I actually go to a lot of Giants games more than Jets games. Uh, <laughs> and but not that they've been doing very good at all either. Wow. Yeah. But more importantly, I just go to drink and have a good time and, and talk about that. I'm, I'd rather be at a hockey game. So that's, that's, yeah. I- <laughs> hell, hell yeah, man. So, so let's, um, let's just dive right in, man. So, uh, if, if the world doesn't already know, even though you're, you're a homie from Albany, mm-hmm. you're a Dallas stars fan and they're right. 
I am. It, it, everybody always asks why doesn't get it, but yeah, I've been a Dallas Stars fan since I was pretty little. Since uh, since they won the cup, like probably the year that they won the cup, ninety nine was when I started becoming a bandwagon young six year old Dallas Stars fan, and then uh, from there on out, it was wishful thinking from ninety nine until about <laughs> last year. So I've yeah. stayed loyal though. But as someone from New York, everyone's like, why, why? I think I was at a, an AHL game in Albany at some point with my stepbrothers at the time and uh each of us got given a puck from my dad or whatever bought us all a puck and they gave me a dallas stars puck and i went home and looked it up and they ended up winning the cup that year i was like i'm gonna be a dallas stars fan and like worshipped mike madonna my whole life and like i grew up playing hockey since i was little so but yeah i stayed loyal and they haven't been good since then and it feels good that they now are like have a future this year you know and as obviously last year moving forward yeah yeah, and yeah. I had a feeling it had to have something to do with Mike Madonna because every kid that played hockey in the United States, like, he was the face of USA hockey. Mm. And- yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, to, to my opinion, the best American-born hockey player still. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was a left-handed hockey player. I used his curve always since I was a little kid. Going to the backstory too, like, my dad, uh, he owned a hockey rink when I was little. Like, I, like from when I was, like, maybe three until I was 12. He owned like one of those mini hockey rinks, like a little training facility. It was like the size of like one, like the size of a neutral zone basically. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, uh, another funny story too, is we had, we used to have these like three on three tournaments in there, like for like youth hockey leagues and whatnot. One, and we called, and one year Bobby Hall came to it. And it was yeah. like, it was, two, yeah, yeah, he came to it. So we started calling it the Bobby Hall three on three tournament every year and because he came one year and uh, it was in 2000 or 2001, I think. And so the year after Brett won his son with the stars in 99. And uh, he brought this, he brought this signed, uh, big signed framed picture of Brett Hall scoring the double overtime game winner for the cup from Sweet. 99 signed by Brett Hall. And it was whoever won the tournament was going to get it. Yeah. And and me and me and my stepbrothers ended up winning the tournament. I still have the photo. It's pretty it's pretty cool. <laughs> so that played into why I'm still a Stars fan as well. Wow. So yeah. your dad, I'm guessing, is also a huge ho- hockey fan. If he has this facility, who who, uh, who was the team your dad rooted for? My dad was actually always a Blackhawks fan, and he still is to this day. Okay. Um, so there's a little bit of rivalry there. We used to always go. I'd take him to win. Like well. As of recently, I started like going with him when the Hawks play like the Rangers and we'll go down to Madison Square Garden and he'll do the same for me. We'll go down and watch the Stars play. So, But I don't think we've ever seen like a Hawks-Stars game because we're still from New York. So that just doesn't really happen unless we travel, obviously. Yep. But um, yeah, my dad was my coach. He was a coach, owned the rink, was like, he taught me how to play, put me on skates, like basically right when I could walk when I was little. My dad, my dad played in the OHL too in like the Damn. 70s. Yeah, my dad, not a team anymore, but he played for Halliburton, the Halliburton Blades. They folded like maybe 20 years ago. He's he's very old, but <laughs> he, he played in the OHL for a few years and then ended up breaking his back. And uh, that was that was the end of his his professional career. And then he took maybe like 10, 15 years off, had me and then uh, just raised me. And he was I was like his, you know, little son that he had to build up into this hockey player. So I played my whole life and uh, he was always my coach. So it was this weird thing, you know, having like the son at, and the son is like the captain of the team and he's the coach and like other <laughs> players. It, it was this weird thing, you know. I love that. So, so I guess I, I want to talk about like the Albany hockey scene because yeah. maybe our national listeners don't know this. Like it's a very divided 
region when it comes to sports alliance uh, allegiances like tom pointed out like assuming that you were a bills fan but like people from albany like the bruins they like the rangers not so many islander fans um and then like you guys had the albany devils which was the ahl team and Mm -hmm. the albany devils in the 90s you know according to my wife was like a big deal like that like the the whole city came out to support them and the they were really good the, back then. Yeah, the Thunderbirds, really right? Or then. the Firebirds, or what was the arena football team? Firebirds. Yeah, yeah the Firebirds. Albany Firebirds. They were the arena football team doing really well. We had like a crazy sports, uh, you know, just uh, all around. Like all the Albany sports were so gathered around and backed back then. Actually, and it wasn't the Albany Devils back then. It, they were called the Albany River Rats. Yeah, the River Rats. The most, the, yep. yeah, the most, the most terrible name for a hockey team and gave us such a bad reputation. But I used to go to those <laughs> games all the time. Obviously, there was still the Devils Farm team at that point. But mm-hmm. we were filling up like the home arena and they were they were winning. They were doing really good. Then they changed to the Devils, the Albany Devils. And I don't know what year that was. They didn't they didn't do very well after that, though. No. And then eventually they folded. So they're not a team anymore. Yeah. And, and it's kind of sad to see because that Times Union Center now like that. They've tried bringing the arena football team back and that already folded. They lost their AHL team. So like who plays there? Just Siena. I guess they do the one they do the one college game a year, which is the mayor's cup between uh, Union College and RPI. But uh, that's the only time they put ice on the arena. Then I guess for that, other than that, maybe like Disney on ice. But like there's no there's nothing there's nothing like uh, continuous going on out there. I don't even know. Yeah. It's and strange. that surprises me. I didn't know that the the arena football team folded already. I went to the the the, the opener of the first season of that. It was actually really fun. But I guess nobody cared after that. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Alternative alternative football leagues don't don't seem to last very long. I mean, what the XFL got one season, then folded, and then got another one season and then folded. It's it's just so hard to to compete. Um, but so I have a a question. So, you know, you said you grew up playing hockey. Yeah. Uh, and you know, obviously your your other passion, you know, as you are in state champs is mm-hmm. is, is music. So um was there a crossroads for you, like personally, when you were like, I could go down this avenue of maybe trying to be a pro hockey player or, or, or following that dream? And then the other crossroads would be, and I really love music. I want to you know, be in a band and try to follow that path. Like, can you kind of zone in on what that crossroad really was? Yeah. So it, it did get to a weird time, I guess, towards the end of high school. Um, it's funny because I went. I, my parents were separated. I lived with my mom in one town. My dad lived maybe twenty minutes away, and I was like going back and forth. He was my hockey coach. I played youth hockey up there, and then uh, when youth hockey runs out, you know, after like Bantams or Midget was uh, or whatever, I, I was maybe like a sophomore, junior in high school, and the high school I was going to didn't have a high school hockey team, but where my dad lived, his uh, the high school his school district did have a hockey team. So I ended up. Uh, switching schools from my junior, like just for my senior year to go play high school hockey where my dad was. And, uh, I played the season there and then I just transferred back with like two months left of my, my senior year of high school to graduate with all of my friends. It was a really weird senior year of high school for me. But then, uh, I was also really into graphic design as well. I was working for a merch company doing designs for bands. So it's kind of like jack of all trades, but I don't know what the heck I want to do, like what my mm-hmm. future is really. I was also started, started the band my senior year of high school. So there's music, there's art, 
there's hockey and I don't really know what's going on. The only college I got into, cause I didn't have very good grades was, uh, an art school. It was called SUNY purchase. It's a state school in New York Sure. and they don't have a hockey program either. So now I'm like, but my dad is on my back. Like, well, you could go move up to Canada and live with a French speaking home and try to like get in some camps <laughs> and get some OHL tryouts, do this, or like play some type of junior hockey up there. That seems scary to me. So I ended up taking, I ended up going to uh, art school. I went to SUNY Purchase for the one year. And uh, all, while also starting the band, we started to like tour a bunch on the weekends. And then it turned into week long tours. By the end of my first freshman year of college, I started like missing weeks and weeks of, of college. And I'm like failing out of all my classes. And then at the end of the year, we got our first record deal offer from Pure Noise Records, which was a big mm-hmm. thing for us. And all they said was, if you have a job, quit it. If you're in school, drop out. You're going to buy a van. You're going to go on tour for the next five years and let's see what happens. So then I'm going to my parents. I'm like, listen, we got this offer. Now I know that like you've been invested with this, but I'm dropping out of school, going on tour with my friends and let's see how that goes. So it was a big roller coaster of like going from this idea that hockey to now art and then music I ended up with. And I'm glad that I stuck with that. So I guess I, I have no regrets in the long run, but do I miss hockey? I really do. Um, I haven't played since like 2011, something like that. So I guess it's been almost 10 years since I've like played competitively. Little, little like uh, pickup in, in men's leagues here and there. I love a good beer league every once in a while. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I guess I, I want to, I don't want to abandon the Albany conversation quite yet because yeah. Like I said, I, I, I lived in Albany for four years, so I feel like I kind of have like my pulse on, on my finger on the pulse there. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you mentioned that the band kind of started your senior year of high school and then carried over into your freshman year of college. Mm-hmm. Like the Albany music scene, at least when I was there, there wasn't a lot happening. Like you had bogeys, which was like a yep. small venue that was like a dump. But, you know, it was your dump, I'm sure. And oh, then, yeah. And, but then there was like the extreme opposite with Northern Lights and Upstate Concert Hall. So like uh-huh. a band that's starting out, it's kind of like you, you grow out of bogeys really quick. And then there's not like an in-between venue for you to like make your, your stepping stones to then get to the point where you're playing Upstate Concert Hall. So yeah, like, there still there still isn't either. There's really only like tiny, tiny little little venues, bars and clubs. And then there's the Upstate Console, which holds almost 2,000 people. So it's like there's no middle ground there for the scene to build and for local bands to build. Um, people have tried. There's been little like venues that pop up for maybe a few months, and then it doesn't. It goes away. Um, but yeah, when we first started, Albany was always really uh, heavier based music scene. The local scene was all metal and hardcore, and like. Even before State Champs, maybe when I was in middle school, 12, 13, my first band was a metalcore band that I, I was the screamer in. I, so it's really fun. That's how me and Tyler met the guitarist in my band. He was also in a metalcore band fronted by his older brother, who was the screamer. Tyler played bass. And we started playing shows at like local veterans halls and churches in Albany. And then we got so sick of the heaviness and the mosh scene and stuff. We were like, you want to just hang out in our basement and like cover cartel songs and like fall out boy songs and stuff like that. So we started doing that. That's, that's generally how, how state champs began. But, uh, you're right. Then we started playing these local shows, bogeys that run down punk venue with leaks all throughout the ceiling was our, was our dump. It was our dump that we threw all of our, our local shows at. And we played it 
until we were way too big for it because there was nothing else to go to. We were always opening for our favorite bands at the bigger venue. We opened for Bayside a bunch of times, Newfound Glory, a bunch of other big bands until we were big enough to now headline it ourselves. So we do our own holiday show there every year um, around Christmas time. We call it Frozen Fest and we do two nights there. Actually, we do two nights and it always wow. sells out, which is pretty cool. It's a cool feeling now to know that where we came from, like scrounging, we used to pay to, to pay the promoters to let us open for bands like Bayside at those venues. And now uh, it's cool to have a hometown and like ha- actually build a scene now for what it is in Albany and upstate New York, which is like you said, the middle ground of so many other cities, you know, you're in the middle, you're, you're, you're basically, what we like to say is you're two hours from everything. You're two hours from everything. When you're in Albany, you can go down to the city you can go over to Buffalo or Syracuse. You can go up to Montreal You can go over to Boston, mm-hmm. any direction. You're going to find a big city. And that's why so many people are different, are fans of so many different teams, so many different cities surrounding, you know? Yeah. So like, was it discouraging when you were starting out? Like, were you guys ever considering re- relocating out of Albany? Cause the scene wasn't really like, you know, there weren't other bands that were in that pop punk scene. Like I know of maybe two, like Northern yeah. Faces and Stellar Young. Like those are maybe the two Albany bands that I knew of when I was there. Yeah, well, there was we, a couple other ones as well. Sorry, go ahead. Well, as I was saying, we, you got to go back in time because mm-hmm. in the 90s, well, they started in the 90s. There was this really uh, important pop punk band that was on Victory Records from Albany called Count the Stars. Yeah, man. And they're from Delmar. The That's actually Caitlin's good friend. Her brother was in Count the Stars. So, so like Count the Stars is like over time, you they've kind of lost like their luster because like they were like kind of like an older like '90s turn of the 2000s like pop punk band, which is a lot different than the pop punk like pop punk bands of today. You know, mm-hmm. and, and there are only only a handful of bands have like been able to kind of like transition that. One of those being being Bayside, really. I mean, you know, Bayside, you know, their first. Uh, the split with name taken, I guess, came out in like 2002 and they were able to, to kind of make it work. But, um, Mm -hmm. I, I think it's so, so interesting though, because you, you, like you lock into like these hometowns, just as like, you know, you guys were saying where it's kind of a little, a little spread out and, you know, there's not as much, uh, in, in terms of pop punk bands. So I guess for you guys, right. Kind of like almost spearheading the metric, how was that in terms of like taking the Albany scene from metalcore, hardcore, and like turning these kids into like, you know, pop punk rules again, you know, state champs is dope. Mm-hmm. How, how was that a difficult thing to do or did it just kind of happen for you guys? I think it was kind of difficult, but there was a th- there was a time frame from right when we started into like 2014 where like, a big like revival of pop punk in the easy core movement and the transfusion I like to call of hardcore into pop punk, you know, obviously like you were talking about in the nineties, it's totally different. That pop punk scene and pop punk was, was considered something totally different. I think in our era, when we started 2010 was this big time for like bands, like four year strong and set your goals who are, who have these big backings from the hardcore scene and take influence from that stuff. And then it turned into the wonder years, man overboard transit, polar bear club, a loss for words. Those are all those bands we looked up to and wanted to be like Mm -hmm. when we started as well. And those are all the bands that we eventually started opening up for going on tours, bands that were our mentors, basically like that, that were uh, bringing us out as the openers. So I think it was definitely difficult to kind of like, 
we had to open for a lot of hardcore bands is what I mean. We had to, <laughs> we, we had to play with a lot of, we had to play a lot yeah. of shows that we did not make sense on. Even when we first started touring, we, uh, I mean, we still like that stuff. So we ended up going on tours with a lot of other heavy bands, like random metalcore bands and like, like chunk, no captain chunk. And like, yeah. we, we went on tour with counterparts a bunch. We played a lot of shows with like the Acacia strain who's like local to us as well. So, yeah. I mean, we, we kind of just like put ourselves in there. There's so many festivals where you see a lot of those bands from different genres from both sides of that anyway. Absolutely. So I don't think it was like crazy difficult. And going back to what you're talking about, like bringing up the Albany local scene, I don't think we were like, we saw that as a difficulty because we loved the idea of being able to get out of town and grow us like as a band and not only be a hometown band. We wanted to go out on these weekend tours and go down to Boston or go out to Syracuse or go to Long Island, go up to Montreal, play Toronto. We wanted to just get out and like, you know, get our name out there more while at the same time coming back and playing local shows here and there. So, um, yeah, it was a slow growth, I'd say, but I'm glad that we still got something going on and we're still like surviving and and creating a scene and still, you know, bringing it up with the with the the younger generation. All right. I hope you are enjoying our throwback interview with Derek from State Champs, but I do want to take a quick break to let you know about our sponsor, DraftKings. So, hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So I got to ask the, ask the burning question then. Yeah. Maybe a lot of people don't realize that, realize this, but one of the biggest like alternative music labels is actually headquartered in Albany, which is equal vision Re- records. So yeah. like <laughs> when you guys are starting to blow up, like it, it would make like logical sense, like to sign with equal vision, like no disrespect to pure noise because they are absolutely fantastic and you guys made the Mm -hmm. right choice but like was that ever a thought like should we just sign with equal vision like they're right here in our backyard i think that would have been super ideal and makes total sense (laughs) but i don't think they gave a shit about us i don't think they cared (laughs) wow Uh, (laughs) i'm sure they regret that now maybe they do now (laughs) i don't know but like uh we used to we used to make demos and send and punish, man. I used to be on email sending our songs and new demos to every label, Hopeless, Fearless, Epitaph, Equal Vision, everybody. I was sending everything, everything that we did, no responses ever, except for Pure Noise Records. They would always at least send us an email back. Nobody cared and wanted anything to do with us for, I would say, the first two years while we were making music. 
But Pure Noise, Jake from Pure Noise is a one-man show back then. It was just yeah. him running it out of his mom's house back then, you know. Uh, but he would always reply and be like, thanks for sending this over. Let me know when you got something else. <laughs> like, at least he would give us that. <laughs> You know, so there was hope there. And it wasn't until we finally sent him a demo of uh, what ended up being one of the songs on our first album or first uh, EP that we did with Pure Noise, the song called Critical. Uh, we sent it to him. And that was the time after maybe four or five emails before, four or five demos prior. That was the one where he listened in and I got a quick email back asking for my phone number. And he was like, OK, we need to get on the phone. I, I called all the guys first. I'm like, dude, <laughs> like he wants to call. He wants to call, talk to me. I'll call you right back got on the phone and basically it was really, it was a fast moving thing. He was like, I'm interested. What do you think about doing a deal? Like we can talk with the rest of the guys, but like, let's see what we can, let's see what we can make happen. So he, he was the only one that took interest in us. The only offer we ever got. And the only thing we ever said yes to, there weren't other offers on the table back then. So we were like, we got to take this while it's hot while there's, while there's, this is our only like opportunity, you know? So going back to that, yeah, equal vision would have been cool, but they missed out, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's, and you know what, the other thing that, that I, you know, one thing I think is great is seeing a lot of these, these excellent bands that have really this longevity and this stripe of just staying with, with record labels because they treat them well, you know, so let, you know, you guys, as an example, you know, you've put out three full length records and a couple of EPs, all of which you've done with, with Pure Noise. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I look at um, the story so far and their lineage with Pure Noise. And then you look at a band, you know, like Turnover, who has done everything on Run for Cover Records. And you could probably make the argument that any of the three of those bands that I've just mentioned, you guys, the story so far in Turnover, if they wanted to take their hand, you know, if you wanted to take your hand and, and try to go major or do something crazy, I'm sure you've got, you know, the, the firepower to do it. But there's something about being comfortable with people who know have your back. And yeah. like turnover is that great example. Like I, I, it's staggering to me. Like uh, I can count the times on like two hands that I've seen turnover play in like basements in, on, on Long Island and in like crappy bars. And now like. I hear turnover songs in target over the <sighs> fucking target radio. It's crazy. And it's just, but it's like, but it's the same thing with like you guys in the story so far. It's just like you, you know, if, if you guys wanted to, you could just be like, you know, Epic records or I don't know, Domino mm -hmm. records. Or I, mm -hmm. I, I'm literally, literally dating myself. and talking about like, labels <laughs> you're going back, bro. You're <laughs> yeah, going right. back. Yeah, no, way back. But I mean like, but you could do that but yet you don't. And I think that's, that's a great thing. And I think it's a great thing also for, for these labels and for bands that have high hopes of, you know, getting to that plateau, because maybe for you guys at, at first, you know, pure noise was just like, Oh, it's the only label that, you know, even wanted to respond to us. So we took the opportunity when we could, but now, you know, any band in 2020, if, if pure noise sends them an email, it's like, holy shit man like we're you know we're in so i think that's super cool i really do and i love that yeah i think there's like a big sense of loyalty you know like we, that's what comes from that over time and like sure enough it could have been a hit or miss situation like oh. i said it was the only label that reached out to us that offered us something at the beginning and uh for some bands that's not how it goes you know it takes a while to find that right fit and then they end up staying with the label you know uh you find that chemistry and that uh relationship with the label that uh lets you be creative you know lets you make your own decisions while also like 
providing you the things you need and guiding you in the right direction. That's something we've had with Pure Noise over the past seven years now. Yeah, we've done three records working on our fourth one. Our contract was actually up after the last one. So we did all the meetings. We did. We met with everybody. And all those offers were there from every label, all of those indie labels that <laughs> are in our, our world. And we even did. like We, we did the, the major thought too we went yeah. out and got schmoozed by a major label and like they they uh said they could do so much for our band and then like it just kind of went away and like i'm glad i'm glad that it did because we have something special with pure noise and uh we didn't want to really jeopardize that um and and it's the same way like you said with bands like the story so far turnover um you know it, it, you see that and like you notice that and uh that's why those bands stay afloat and why you yeah. can, why, and their relevancy like remains you know um it's something that um that I think we're very fortunate for. Something that we shouldn't take for granted, you know, because uh, you hear the horror stories, you know, about so many bands like getting screwed over by this or that and whatnot. So um, we're pretty fortunate, I'd say. Yeah, Jake was actually one of our first guests on the podcast. Like I think episode eight. Oh, you guys had Jake? Oh yeah. And oh man, I got to go back and watch it. That'd be funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like way back when we were first getting started, and just such an awesome dude and it's like crazy to think that we had an hour conversation with the owner of one of our favorite labels that has literally put out pretty much all of our favorite music so it, mm. it was just so like such a he's such a down-to-earth dude and huge hockey fan so like when you guys were starting to get to know each other like did that come up pretty quickly yeah it did uh, but i don't think like we really got into it until like uh you know he moved to LA and like became a huge Kings fan season ticket holder obviously we whenever i'm in town i'm like are we going to a game you know so <laughs> so that 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 plays into it too but more than that like uh he was refing for a while he plays in a league still um yeah he's a huge hockey fan so like that obviously plays into our friendship and our relationship as well we're always talking hockey we'll be texting about stuff you know it's that's that also goes into it you know someone like that not every band or every member in a band like considers their label ceo just a homie that you text about random stuff we're talking about fantasy hockey we're talking about skating we're talking about whatever it, it, it's anything old punk stuff like it's so cool to have that relationship but also he's the guy that you know lets us have a career and like provides what we need to make records to let us do our thing so it's like it's cool to have that two-way relationship that's like very solid you know for sure and i guess like adjacent to pure noise and like it does cross over a lot is jake's relationship with like hammer and violent gentlemen and i know <laughs> that you guys have done like a few shirts or at least one shirt i know of definitely so yeah you you mentioned that you're currently recording your next full length are you guys in talks of doing like a special variant with just violent gentlemen like i know oh, I, Seaway, so. I, I know seaway just did one or you're strong just did one and i feel like that's the direction like that exclusive violent gentleman variant man yeah right it's becoming like a staple thing with them i'm so glad they do it uh yeah we've done collabs with them like on warp tour when they went out on the tour i think we did like a rangers ripoff or we did a team usa ripoff back once as well i think we've done a few at this point i can only hope that they're down to do some more collabs because i mean violent gentlemen is a, another example of a brand and a lifestyle that's been built from the ground up by those guys they're doing such a good job over there and uh they've always been super nice to us they'll let us come crash the warehouse whenever we're in town and whatnot and steal a bunch of shit so it's pretty cool and uh yeah, I can I can only hope we could do one of those variations, one of those variants soon. 
again for the new record. Hell yeah. So yeah. I, I guess, um, you know, talking about labels and violent gentlemen, I want to talk about your own clothing line because you also have Steve's brand. And I was looking at your promo photos and it looks like they were literally taken in front of my old apartment in Troy, New York. Did you guys Yeah, take... they were. They were in downtown. That's yeah. funny. Is that right on River Street? Because that's where <laughs> yeah. I lived. I lived at the Hudson, which is yeah. right there on River Street. And honestly, if those brownstones in Troy weren't in such bad shape, there is a chance that I would have stayed in Troy and bought one of those brownstones and like did a renovation, but like everyone I talked to said like, don't do it. Like <laughs> all the pipes, <laughs> all the electrical stuff has never been updated since like the late 1800s. Like don't do it. Yeah. But, it's such an old city. Like, and it's not the, it doesn't have the best reputation or whatever, but uh, it's getting better. I almost actually, I almost, I'm thinking about getting one, getting an apartment. There's so many big new apartment buildings being built down there in Troy. Oh, really? So I'm thinking, I'm thinking about it myself, but I, I don't blame you for, for getting out of there. <laughs> I, I, I really can only speak highly of my time living in Troy. Like where I was was an awesome spot. I, had, I lived on top of my barber shop. There was an awesome bagel place right down the road that I walked to. My favorite bar was right across the street. Like it was an awesome, awesome location. Which and, bar was it? And bar was it, Tom, this is my segue, dude. You're, you're fucking it up, man. <laughs> and that bar that I'm talking about is actually how I know of state champs. So I can, no actually, way. I can actually pinpoint <laughs> the day that I found out about state champs. Like, I can't do that with any other band. And the reason I can pinpoint the exact day is because that there was one of the most important hockey games of my lifetime on that day. And that's the TJ Oshie shootout game. Oh, no way. Yeah, so that goes back. And I wrote down the date. February 15th, 2014 is when I found out about State Champs. And I'll tell you the whole story because it's just fucking crazy. I got to hear this now. Yeah, yeah. So my best friend from Long Island and his wife came up to visit me. And it was to watch some of those Olympic games. So we went to Browns, which is in Troy, like Browns Brewery. And we watched the the USA-Russia game. And it was an afternoon game. I remember, like, there was maybe five other people in Browns. So, like, <laughs> we were doing some day drinking. And my buddy yep. was like, yo, I got a good buzz. I want to go sing karaoke. Where can I sing karaoke? I'm like, dude, there's nowhere to sing kari- like karaoke doubt in it. Troy. I doubt it. And I was like, you know what? There's one place that's really freaking weird, but I love it. Like, let's just pop in there. And it was Footsie Magoo's. Do you know Footsie oh, Magoo's? Yeah. I still hang out there. Yeah. So Footsie <laughs> Magoo's is like, there's no sign that would even let you know it's a bar. And they always nope. keep the lights so dim. So like you walk by and you're like, is this like a cafe? Like, what is this? And I was like, you know what? My buddy's here. Let's, let's go into Footsie Magoo's. It's kind of a quirky place. And there's no one else in there. Because it's like three o'clock, maybe four o'clock in the afternoon now. Because the game just ended. It's early evening. And the only other person in there is the bartender. And they had one of those like fancy jukeboxes that you can like pay like 20 bucks and like pick whatever song. So I always like whenever I see like those jukeboxes, I put in like 30 bucks and I just like City in Color, Bayside, whatever they have that like is yeah. kind of popular. Yeah. And the bartender was loving it. And then like we just started talking. I was like, yeah. And I was shitting on Albany. I was like, man, I just wish that there was like good music here. And he's like, 
dude, have you ever heard of state champs? And I'm like, no, like, who are they? So like he played your, your your music for me and I was like, holy shit, like I had no idea that you guys were <laughs> from Albany or anything. And and that was the day that I found out about State Champs at Footsie Magoo. That's funny. I wonder who it was. I wonder who that bartender was. I probably know who that is. It's funny, I still hang out there at, at Footsie Magoo's. Like that's still a go-to spot. And you're right. You wouldn't know it's a bar, there's no sign. Like, and that's that's kind of why like my me and my friends like it like there's no there's no one ever there it's kind of just like a place to go and hang out you know uh but that's really really funny i probably know who that is too yeah and (laughs) speaking of that bar like there's all these like little rooms and little pockets in that bar too it's like a huge bar too and you would not know from looking at the front of the they got a darts room. They got a ski ball room. They got a little room with foosball. I, I like if I'm drinking, I need to be like doing something like playing an activity. So that's my spot, dude. It's awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. Dude, it's like it's like that episode of uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where like Charlie's trying to blow the sign off the bar because when you don't have a sign on your bar, it's way more posh and awesome. It's cooler automatically. It's, it's way cooler because there's no sign. Um, so I, um, I'm not like a I, Mikey is the um, is the guy who likes to go in order, and I hate to go in order. So when a <laughs> thought pops into my head, I'm just gonna gonna go for it, and I'm just gonna go for it. So um, I know with uh, the last record you guys put out, you guys worked with with Feldman, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. All right. So I, I so I'd love to hear a little bit about that because like you know. John, so okay, Tony Hawk Pro Skater one, first yeah. of all, right? So, so that's that was my introduction to Goldfinger, and I've I've always loved like Goldfinger. Uh, we we had Darren, uh, you know, on, on the show as well. You know, he's a big hockey fan, but um, John Feldman is just from everything that I've heard about him, he's a little quirky, but he's got so much like so much good input because he's been around this kind of music for so long. So what is it, what was it like working with John? Like how, what did he do in terms of like melding your, your music? Did he have a lot of input or was it just like, I love what you guys are doing. Let's just roll with it. Uh, John is a crazy positive uh, influential person to me. It was a definitely crazy uh, experience and very different for us as a band. We're not used to like being one to, you know, go to Calabasas and work with these big songwriters and producers. We're a pop punk band from Albany playing with venues with leaks in the roof. So we don't know about that. <laughs> so, you know, we go there and I, I'm right there with you. Tony Hawk Pro Skater won my first introduction to Goldfinger as well. And I think I saw Goldfinger a long, long time ago as a little kid. Um, and I just knew that they were pop. They were punk rock. They were pop yeah. punk. You know, that's what that's exactly. what they were known as. Um but this guy, where he's at now, I mean, he's he's a genius. I've learned so much from John Feldman, even from the like two, three weeks we spent with him. His process is unlike anybody else's. He's so quick and fast paced and energetic and positivity. And we were we he want, we were meditating with him at his house before every session. Like we had never meditated before. He's like, yeah, come in my living room. We're all going to lay down. Put he's got these like godlike speakers that play this meditation thing for like fifteen oh. minutes at nine a.m. before every session. And he's like, don't like, feel free to let the emotions take you over. Bro, we, we like closed our eyes, got way into it. 15 minutes later, we open our eyes. Everyone's bawling. We're all crying, like, but we're like ready to write. Now we're like, all right, let's go write a song. Dude, yeah. it's crazy. John uh, Feldman would, would like play therapist to me, essentially. We'd go away, like out outside, take a hike, talk about life. And then we'd come back to uh, 
to his house, he'd be like, let me like, at least like get an idea. I'm going to go, I'm going to go take a walk. I'm going to go find the song. That's what he says. And then he takes a guitar and he walks around his house. He walks outside. He's playing a little thing here, playing a little thing over here. And then like 15 minutes later, he'll come back to you. Like, what do you think about this? And it's like a perfect idea for a song. And then he's like, now you sit and write the lyrics. Okay. I'll see. I'll see you in 15 minutes. It's such a crazy process. It's not always like that, but he's the type of guy that's like, you know, this song's got like a beach vibe. Let's go surfing. <laughs> and like, like, you know, or like this sound, this song sounds like, like you're like driving down the highway fast and like with the windows down, let's go take the mics in the car and like, we'll go record vocals, like driving down the highway. He's that kind of guy, like do stuff like that. Such a, awesome. like in the moment, spur of the moment impulse, but like positivity and energy and just go, go, go. And I get why a lot of people just can't really like mesh with that quick and like he's not the best fit for everybody but we had a great time with him we learned a lot about him and we got a lot of good songs so uh definitely an interesting experience you can tell that he's been through a lot and he's got stories man he's got a lot of stories about where he comes from too uh a very cool dude and uh i i i, I love the experience you know awesome i i really appreciate that insight man i just you know yeah. that, i think that's one of the greatest things about this podcast i say it all the time but it's like when am i ever gonna like you know, get to talk to someone who could be like, yeah, John Feldman told me to make that chord to C sharp. And I was like, I don't know, John. He was like, make that chord to C sharp. He's and the only, he's pushed me to my limits. He he's, he was the first guy to ever go. All right. So for this song today, we, it was a writing session. We're going to write a song today. He says, go in the vocal booth and sing me a song. <laughs> and we just and and he just would shove me into the vocal booth and maybe we'd have like a note like one note on a keyboard and say he'd just say sing <laughs> he's no one's ever made me do that we don't have any ideas we don't know what's happening and i'm so nervous like it's maybe one of the first couple days that we're there and he just says sing and then we build a song off of whatever i sang like in that first minute and and somehow we came out with a song. I think there is a song that we ended up using for that record. I don't. I couldn't tell you which one it is. But like that's how he works. It just push makes puts people outside of their comfort zone. And Love like that. that's something that a band like us kind of needed. You know, we're used to just you know five guys in a room jamming with acoustic guitars. That's the kind of thing that breaks the ice and like I don't know makes you think differently about about music about songwriting. <laughs> it, it's a cool thing that now I take into the way that I write songs with other bands. I've been doing a lot of producing songwriting. with That's where I am right now. I'm in Indiana out like working with other bands producing right now. So I, awesome. I take all of that knowledge and put it into everything that I want to do with other artists and with my own music moving forward. It's really cool. Hell yeah. And I guess we could tie back to Albany because you have produced Young Culture. So now like, do you feel like because you guys made Albany work, now you have these like young buck bands that are like, loving pop punk that are going to like take the Albany scene to like, you know, what the Boston scene used to be or the Long Island scene used to be. I can only hope so. I mean, it's cool that we've got a, a younger generation and bands like, I just hope, I just hope kids still want to start bands. You know, I hope that that's not a thing. You know, there's so many, yeah. it's the rapper scene. It's the SoundCloud scene, the post Malone's of the world. I love all that stuff, man. I love all kinds of music. But I hope there is there doesn't come a day where like kids don't aren't starting bands anymore. You know, like I fear that day. So it's really cool to have bands still doing that. Um, and in our scene, especially Young Culture, for an example, like they were opening our local shows a long time ago under different names. And they're super young kids, super nice, super positive. And uh, I've been working with them from the start. Now they have a deal with with Equal Vision and uh, 
they could be the next big thing. So, you know, it, it's really cool to see that happening. And I'm just glad to be a part of it. I, I, I'm glad that they still ask me to come around and help them with stuff. So it, it's really fun. Hell yeah. Love that. Yeah. So I guess I want to talk bucket list because, you know, you guys have done a lot in the scene. Like, you, you know, I'm sure when you guys were starting out, you were like, man, I just want to get signed. I would love to play Warp Tour. And then like the, the, the final Warp Tour, you guys played main stage and played the whole entire thing. So like, mm-hmm. I'm sure after you do something like that, you have to reevaluate what are your bucket list items as a band. So like, what what is State Champs hoping to accomplish with this next album? Are you like trying to get, on an NHL soundtrack, are you trying to play the Winter Classic? Like, what? what yeah. Sky's the limit. Like, what are you guys hoping to accomplish? I think we always say. I think we always come back to the sky is the limit with us, and like we do have these talks, and we sit back and we're like, "What do we want to do now? What do we want to do next?" And I think that's really important for bands and artists is to always have bucket list. What's that next thing that you want to do? We did that for years. It's like, oh, we want to play Warp Tour. We want to play main stage Warp Tour. Now we want to play on the main stage at Reading and Leeds Festival in England, you know, and that was a big thing for us as well. Now we want to we want to headline the Roundhouse in London, which is a 3000 capacity in London. Like that would be our bucket list thing. Sold it out. Like it's so cool like to watch these things happen. But then you're like, what the heck do you do next? I would love to play the Winter Classic. That was a great <laughs> idea. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. I think it's just at this point, too, the longevity and being able to do it as long as we can. You look at bands that have been doing it as long as this in this world, bands like Newfound Glory and Some 41, you know, like th- that that are just still going and still doing it for as long as they can and pr- like shedding influence on younger bands as well. You look at a lot of bands that have blossomed into other things and gone into different er- into the mainstream like Fall Out Boy, you know, like that's really cool, too. That's something we talk about as well. We've always talked about do we want to be a radio band do we want to get a radio hit single or do we just want to like keep growing the rooms and like keep our community growing and like just do us and then we talk about our next record it's like do we want to go in some different direction or do we want to go back to our roots you know and go back to like just like what's what's fun for us to play i think that's another thing with us too is keeping everything fun we're never going to put anything out or make any music that we're not stoked on and want to listen to ourselves so that's one thing that we always keep saying you know it's just keep it fun if it ever really starts to feel like a job and a chore then we're probably doing it for the wrong reasons at that point so it's like just keep it fun man keep it loose that's easier said than done when you've been a band for 10 years but uh it's we have a lot of talks about it and we're very uh transparent about it within the guys in the band so i think as long as we keep doing that we can fight like brothers we can hang like brothers we need our distance when we're not on tour then we miss each other and we go back on tour there's a big cycle there so we're going to do that as long as we can and keep building you know that's that's the whole story with champs now Love it. you mentioned you know some of those iconic pop punk bands like the the simple plans and the sum 41s that you know <laughs> have made a lifelong career out of this yeah good charlotte good charlotte you know? yep mm-hmm. even bayside in that in that caliber like that you know yeah. they're they're in that same conversation um you guys did a tour with bayside and that last i mean not bayside with with simple plan and that last mm-hmm. warp tour you guys were playing main stage you know side by side and like mm-hmm. i remember you in the at the charlotte date they had the main stage kind of split in half and there was like yeah. kind of just alternating the whole day. And I stayed in that amphitheater the whole entire day. That was like the 
the best warp tour I ever had. Like I'm used to going to Randall's Island on Long Island and like just yeah. being caked in mud and then like going to Charlotte and sitting with a ceiling fan over. I was just loving it. And oh, it's the best days on Warp Tour when we play in the amphitheater because, like, you know, it's enclosed. We oh, yeah. know everyone's going to want to get out of the sun and be in there, so you can stay in there all day. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. So I, you know, you actually went out and were singing on. I think it was "I'm Just a Kid," right? "I'm Just a Kid," yeah, yeah. with Simple Plan. And I remember that was actually the first time I ever seen Simple Plan live. Even though, like, you know, growing up in the pop punk scene, you know, since the early 2000s, it, it just never worked out. And I remember watching Simple Plan and like people losing their minds. I'm like, man, they're fucking rock stars. Like they're not just like a pop punk band. They're rock stars. And the way I knew this was there was actually a girl that got on top of her boyfriend's like shoulders and flashed them. And I'm like seeing this from the corner (laughs) of my like from the corner. I'm like, I thought that only happened in the 80s for like hair metal bands like that happens for simple plan like what is going on that doesn't like, happen anymore too people think that that's such a rock star thing like oh that must happen all the time no it's such a rarity like but th- they are rock stars they've been doing it for so long man they're they're, they're pros i mean like you know the the blink 82 live record like you know it that came out in the late 90s uh you know like mark and tom were still getting flashed and talking about it on on record for everyone to hear um but yeah there there's a a crazy lineage and i, I think that's uh seeing the you know the old guard come together with the new guard is super cool so you know like you know state champs and, and simple plan you know when um uh you know when good charlotte uh went out on tour um i, I forgot the story i forget so who far. They, yeah the story so far right and oh uh, yeah yeah and even uh, and even um, when the early November kind of did their comeback, you know, they ended up uh, taking taking Wonder Years out with them, you know. So it's like That's right. it kind of the old guard and the new guard, which uh, which I really love. So um, I, I'm not going to let you get out of here until we talk some hockey, and, and we <laughs> we, we got to dig into it. So first and foremost, put a, a sear curtain on um, on. Uh, Preds, right? Seven nothing, I think it was. Uh, yeah, the other night. Yeah. Um, we're off to a great start, and I'm happy with that. It was <laughs> it was a crazy thing that uh, you know the season was supposed to start a couple weeks for them, and then what, 16 players on the Stars got COVID, so they had yes. to delay. Right. Um, so here we are, two games in. Everybody else has played like six or seven games, but mm-hmm. at least we can call ourselves undefeated for now. There's uh, there's <laughs> there's. That you could tell they were ready to play, needless to say. So uh, yeah. it's it's looking good so far. I think it's pretty awesome that band, that uh, that teams are playing the same teams so much. Everything is like a little series right now with yeah. how many games they have to they have to cram in. Uh, so I think it's going to make for great hockey. It's going to be aggressive. It's going to get chippy. It's going to be really cool. I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, I think that's a that's a huge thing. What we've talked about a lot is how this is going to build rivalries. Oh, you know, yeah. it's going to, it's going to stoke the flames of old rivalries. You know, we've talked about it a bunch, you know, the Islanders and Rangers mm-hmm. have had that storied rivalry for so long, but it's kind of fizzled out over the past couple of years um, just because the Rangers were kind of not a great team. And then the same, you know, happened when the Islanders went through their rough years where the Islanders were a terrible team and the Rangers were a little bit better. And, you know, that rival, that rivalry didn't mean as much, but now, you know, you're talking about playing each other eight times. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, you know, the, the Rangers, you know, even though right now the Islanders, uh, you know, we took one from them, they, they took one right back from us, but, you know, the Rangers are trying to rebuild that organization. So I think it's going to be an awesome thing. Um, but 
you know, for, for, for you guys, I mean, you know, you guys are, 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 are going to be, you know, pretty much building some storied rivalries from this now. So yeah, we um, don't really have a rival like the stars. I mean, they, I guess you call the blues, one of their rivals, the Preds I guess, now yeah. too, I guess, but uh, I mean, they never really had like a serious rival. Uh, at least I don't think, you know? Yeah, I wouldn't say so. Um, I, I, I would probably say that the, the, the blues for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I guess you'd probably say the Hawks that, you know, sort of, I guess, but you know, that's obviously a little bit different this year, but um, so, you know, talking, you know, 2021 stars, what are you excited for? Like, is, you know, there anyone that you're on the team that you're looking at that's maybe, uh, you know, not, not a superstar that you think can be a superstar, anyone that you're uh, really looking at closely to see what they'll be able to do? Um, I've been, I mean, for the past couple of years, I've been really excited about Miro Haskinen. I think he's, he's a phenomenal player and I think he's so young and he's got, he's going to be a star. He's, he already is becoming a star, but what really surprised me at the end of the playoffs last year was this guy, Yoel Kibiranta, um, who, who ended up scoring some overtime winners. And, uh, it's just a young kid that wasn't getting much ice time, but now he's in the line. I put him on my fantasy team this year. So really hope he does well. <laughs> um, there's a couple of young stars and, uh, I mean, it's cool to have some, some older talent too, kind of lead the way with Pavelski doing really well and still playing great hockey. Yes. Um, and, uh, I, but the leaders really need to step up. I think Jamie Ben needs to, needs to have a great year again. He needs to start putting points on the board and Tyler Sagan needs to get healthy. And then I think we'll be in good shape. <laughs> so we'll see, you know? So you mentioned Jamie Ben and I thought I was like, just giving Tom like an alley-oop with the, you know, talking about simple plan. And he just did not transition there, but whatever. Tom's a rookie, whatever. So let's talk about that because on that simple plan tour, uh, that simple plan tour, Chuck told us that he was eating dinner at some restaurant in Dallas and Jamie Ben walked in and he invited him to your show and he actually came. So like, did you have any idea that Chuck let you know beforehand that that was happening? Or was that like a surprise? You walked off stage and then in your green room is Jamie Ben and like some of the Dallas stars. No, he didn't fucking tell me. And he didn't do it on purpose. It, I think he did. He didn't do it on purpose. Their photographer had to come in and tell me, did you know Jamie Ben's here? I'm like, you're fucking kidding me, man. No way. <laughs> He's like, yeah, no, they're, they're side stage watching, watching the show right now. Do you want to go down? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna go punish him. Like, you know, I want to go ask him a bunch of questions. And he's like, all right, hold on. Like, maybe not yet. Cause they know I'm gonna go down and like ask him a bunch of questions. And I'm like, not really, not like that. But that was the one time, man. Everyone asks, like, what's the, like the suit like the fanboy moment that you've had? Like, whether it's with a another musician. I've never really had it with another musician. That was the moment. Like they brought me down side stage. And uh, he was there. He brought his brother, Jordy Ben, because uh, the Canucks were in town. They were going to be playing them that the, the night after or something. So him and uh, a couple other players were rented. It's so funny that he just ran into him at dinner and invited him. He's like, oh, yeah, I know Simple Plan. I'll bring my boys. <laughs> what the heck? That just goes to show what Simple Plan. Exactly. Like Rockstar. Their platform. Like Jamie Ben going, oh, Simple Plan. I love you guys. Yeah, I'll come to the show. And that was like a half hour before that. It just rolls up. Um, he was really, really nice though. Before I went to before, and it was right before I had to go on stage to sing with Simple Plan, like for our song together, the Where I Belong collab song that we did. Yeah, yep. So I did that, and it was immediately after that he was side stage. I put on my my state my Dallas Stars uh, Stanley Cup champion shirt right before then to go on stage. Came off stage, 
he's right there. I got introduced by their photographer. It's like, nice shirt. I've never seen that one. Like, and as almost like he was going to like buy it off me or something like that. So that was the icebreaker. We got talking about some stuff and it was just cool, man. I was like lording out, like basically just like asking every question I could. So what's like this, like, you know, asking him about being a captain and stuff, being a leader. And we're relating that to being a front man. It was pretty cool. The conversation that we had. And then what we came back to was like, what we realized is like, musicians want to be athletes like that Dude, and athletes want to be talk musicians. about that all the time yeah, so, so that's where it came down to he was like man i wish i could do what you do like playing shows every night i'm like are you kidding me man i want to do what you do so uh it was a cool little converse- conversation i didn't like want to go too long and like start embarrassing myself i totally would have and i probably did but like whatever we got some pictures together I will hold them dearly for the rest of my life, and I hope that we can be in touch. That's that's really it. It was a, it was that moment for me, the fanboy moment. I love it. Now, yeah. Do you have any other like stories of other NHL players that are fans of state champs? Do you know of any? Uh, there's a couple guys in the Bruins. Uh, there, there, there's a, I get like random messages, but like, and I get a lot of like stories from friends that know other players, but like. Who knows, like if they're telling the truth or not, but I don't, not that I know of, I, I would love for them to show face though. If anybody's listening, like hit me up. I want to talk to you. Like I love talking hockey with anybody, especially like getting the stories from the pros themselves. So it's really, really cool. I did want to tell a story about my first time ever going to a Dallas stars game. I think it was in like 2014 or 15. Hell yeah. And it was, it. cause you brought, you brought up how like, uh, the, the Hawks may have been a, a rival of theirs at one mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. First game I ever went to while like first ever stars home games. Sorry. The first stars home game is when we were on tour in Dallas, we played a festival and then I immediately like found some tickets in the, the nosebleeds nosebleeds. And I went and, and watched the stars play the Hawks and, uh, they didn't score. They got shut out. I think it was 13, nothing by the Hawks. That year. It was so bad. It was one of the years that the Hawks ended up winning the cup. So uh, like 2014 or 15, one of those years. Um, but was, what was awesome is it was the year that, uh, that Yager played the one year with the, with the stars, which was really exciting to see. So that was a really cool thing to watch, you know? Um, that's it though. That's it. My, the story, <laughs> the story is the first home game stars, like game that I got to go to. They got blown out like 13 nothing by the Hawks, and, and I, I was very let down. Yeah, my, <laughs> I, my for, I forgot that Yager played for the Stars. Yager like played that one year, and like that, that, was, that was pretty cool to see, him in a Stars jersey. I, w- I went to a, uh, my first baseball game in Philly uh, at Citizens Bank. It was a Mets-Phillies game, and mm-hmm. the Mets got beaten like 16 to nothing. And um, I was told, I was dating a girl from Philly at the time, and uh, we're about to go into Citizens Bank. And I'm about to put my Mets jersey on. And she's like, don't do it. And I'm like, what do you mean, don't do it? I'm like, what the fuck? Like, you know who you're talking to? Like, I'm ultra Met fan, number one Met fan. And she's like, please don't do it. She's like, we're going to have a bad time if you do it. So I'm like, all right, fine. I won't do it. Sure as shit. I saw, like, a girlfriend and boyfriend couple, probably 20-something, walk in, both wearing Mets gears. Bro, this girl got a hot dog just thrown at her hot no dog, way. full, full hot dog, ketchup, mustard, all the fixings you want in your hot dog all over this chick. And the dude like turned around to, to be like a dude and be like, well, are you throwing a hot dog at my girlfriend? And like 20 Phillies fans were like, what are you going to do about it? And he was like, I'm going to walk off. Yeah, my, I bet dude. My That's hot scary. dog girlfriend. And, but like, so that kind of like that kind of feeling, right? Like you, 
and and you you feel it when like um especially with uh i know for for us as islanders fans you know like islanders flyers games and, and like mm-hmm. you feel it with um you know and maybe not so much obviously with the rangers maybe not so much with the devils but like you know so have you ever had that that experience of being in like another city like with your stars gear just getting like eviscerated (laughs) you know i've kind of found the cheat around that and because now i've had to do it for a long time um madison square garden and in newark when the when they play the devils i'm always one of the only guys in green you know uh luckily i always wear a madonna jersey so someone will always end up looking at the back and go okay a little bit of respect madonna (laughs) nice you know but when I'm down anywhere, if there's any good seats or whatever, and I know I'm not in a safe zone, I, there's no chance I'm not wearing a Stars jersey, so I always will. So, but uh, you just got to buy a beer. Buy a beer for the guy next to you. That's all you got to do is, is like you get down to your seat, have an extra beer, and give it to give it to the most threatening guy around you that looks like they would chirp you hard. You know, and I've got, <laughs> I've, been, I've been chirped like pretty, like, and I, I can take it. I don't really care. Nothing like that. I've never had things thrown at me, <laughs> luckily. But uh, yeah, uh, to everybody out there that you know you're worried to wear your team's colors at another at an away game, <laughs> grab an extra beer, give it to the most threatening person next to you. Love that. Cheap <laughs> and move. you know, funny and another funny story. Just so you know, apparently that's the way to get to like the lower bowl when you're at a Carolina Hurricanes game. Uh, all you have to do is have two beers in your hand. And uh, the security will just be like, oh, two beers. You guys belong here. And then you just get to go all the way from like way up top to like right on ice. That's like the, that's like the code, the unwritten law. Like, two, I, dude, oh, this guy's got two beers. You're good. Someone told <laughs> us that like because Tom's actually like he's basing this on an actual story. So yeah, like it really this, this really happened. So we're like at the bar <laughs> before a Hurricane Islanders game and we were way up top. And the guys that we were talking to at the bar, they're like, yo. We know this trick. All you need to do is get two beers and walk in like you own the place and the ushers won't even stop you. So we're like, hey, let's give it a shot. Sure enough, all of us, there was like four of us, two beers in each of hands, just walked right past the usher, right down to like, you know, $150 seats and stayed there the whole game. Now, is yeah. that just because you got two, so they think you're carrying it for someone down there? Is no, that the like idea? They, they just think like, oh, they got two beers. He's not going to be able to reach in his pocket to check, like, to get the ticket oh, stuff out. Oh, okay, okay. Or like whatever, like just a, a popcorn and a beer or something yeah. like that. Like your hands are full. Sorry, buddy. I got, I'm, yeah. I'm going. We yeah, I'm, I'm down there, te- guy. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't we didn't test the popcorn and beer theory. We tested the two beer theory. The two beer but theory Matt, works. But can't say anything the popcorn about it. Did, popcorn didn't work. They're like, no, no, no Carolina Hurricanes fan would have popcorn. He <laughs> just takes the there. popcorn. He's like, I'll hold this. Let me see your ticket. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, we've we've kind of explored a little bit, um, you know, talking about, uh, you know, how, how you guys had this great relationship with with Pure Noise and you're working on this, you know, this this new record. Um, just just curious. You know, I know you probably got to be a little bit tight lipped about it, but as far as a new record is concerned, um, what, what sh- are we in for? Like, have you kind of made a decision? Cause I know you were pontificating before saying, you know, do we want to go in a different direction? Do we want to go back to our roots? So, you know, for like the state champs fans that are listening and that are, that are really kind of interested, 
where do you want to take this new record? Like what, what, if, if it was you, like you specifically, cause I, I mean, you're, you know, you're 20% of a band that has all of the creative input, but if you wanted to take this in a direction, where would you want to go with it? I think we've taken it. Like it's almost done at this point. And uh, oh, you know, yeah, yeah, it's almost done. Uh, I'm going to go out in March and finish it. I got to sing some songs. Sick. I got to do some vocals, but uh, we took a lot of time. We wrote a lot of songs, honestly. And like, we're never afraid to just write a good song that we think is a good song. We don't think about, well, we need to go and we need to be more, we need to be heavier or we need to be like poppier. Like we don't think about that. We'll write some poppy songs, write heavy songs, this and that. But the overall, like of what I'm getting is, you know, we have three records now. We have like the like bare bones, pop punk record we have the little more like produced middle ground like around the world and back our second one and then maybe like we took some chances on the third one where we went in a little different directions and overproduced or tried some new things whatever i think uh there's gonna be a little bit of everything on this next one and if anything leaning back more towards our rudy pop punkness and like edgier um energetic and more along the lines of our second record i would say around the world and back uh so but uh all in all, like I say, it's not, there wasn't one thing said on, we need to go back to this or we need to do this. We just sit down and write songs and we wrote a bunch. We must've wrote like 27, 27, 26, 27 songs. And then we took, we wrote each song on a flashcard and then started like mixing them around. Which ones do we like the most? And then we ended up with what we think is going to be this next record. I'm really excited about it. So, uh, a little bit of everything as far as what we've done in the past and and then some like these are the best songs we've ever written it's gonna be sick it's gonna be dope i can't wait to share it can't wait to hear it so derek i got one final question for you hard to please tell me about the music video how did that come about (laughs) were you just like i'm doing this i don't care if it has anything to do with the song or not i'm somehow having a hockey music video yep first music video that we had a budget for that came from pure noise Hockey music video. Sorry, boys. That's what we're doing. And, and uh, <laughs> uh, uh, it's it's my local hockey rink where I I grew up playing, and uh, I know the owners very well, good family friends. So I said, here, like, you know about where I'm at now. I've got this record deal, and we're we have this budget for a music video. What's it going to take to uh, let us use the rink for a day or two and try and do this this music video? They ended up giving it to us for free. They gave us a full day, like dawn, dusk to uh, dawn to dusk, and. Uh, and we just came out with the hard to please music video. We, uh, we got some friends to come out and be like the, the kids in the bleachers, our manager and our management team are the coaches on each side. All my That's old sick. hockey buddies are, we got, uh, jerseys printed by our merch company, like to be the dark team and the light team and, uh, a script written by Rob Susie, the director. And, uh, it was super fun, man. We did just like mess around most of the day and like play pickup. And then like every cup, every like half hour, they'd be like, all right, can we film a fucking scene? Like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and a uh, big fight scene at the end. We did put a bunch of fake blood on us. It's a little silly. There's like, uh, we're like waving at girls in the stands and, you know, we're fighting over girls attention in the, in the bleachers. But then it's the Zamboni guy that ends up getting the girls at the end of the music video. That's the storyline. It's super silly. It's pop punk. It's, it's, immature but that's what we were about back then and yeah there was no way i wasn't gonna not do a hockey music video (laughs) as the first one that's fueled by record label money that's not mine so had to do it no shame hell yeah man (laughs) and you know it it just makes you think you know there are a few others floating around there do you know of any others hockey Um, music video i looked it up i looked it up at the time and i found a couple other ones but i don't remember what bands did you guys look it up so our homies in Envy on the Coast, they're big New York Islander fans. They actually 
film their video on the Coliseum ice. Oh, no way. Yeah. So look that That's one up. Cool. That's a good one. I got to check that one out for sure. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to look at it. I was like, have any bands done like what we're trying to do here, like on a hockey rank and stuff? But the fact that it was given to us for free, I was like, we got to just do this. You know, Hell like yeah. we got we to just yeah. go for it. Yeah. Hell yeah. I, I think that's what kind of like opened up my eyes. I was like, when I got into state champs and I, that was the first video I saw, I was like, oh shit. And they're hockey fans. Like that's what's up. So then like, <laughs> you know, I look like such a douche in it too. I'm like wearing sunglasses while playing <laughs> hockey. It's like, who does that? It's so bad <laughs> looking back on it now. I mean, it's like seven years old, but whatever. No regrets, I guess. No, <laughs> no man. I love it. I love no it. No regrets at all. So, um, what, so I'm going to just ask one last thing. Um, you know, you said you're, you're kind of in, into producing and stuff now. Uh, you know, give us a beat on uh, someone who you've worked with that, uh, you know, hasn't maybe hasn't broken, broken through the mold yet that you uh, are really, really into someone that we can maybe put some new people onto. There's this band I'm working with right now. They're from Michigan. They're called Last Night Saved My Life. They're an unsigned uh, pop punk band. Uh, I did their first record with them. It's called Cherry. Right here at the studio, Always Be Genius, out here in Crown Point, Indiana. And uh, now they're in a brand new big studio, and, and it's fucking awesome. And I'm working on their second record with them. Last Night Saved My Life, they're called. And uh, I think they could really uh, take the scene by storm. So, And they're com we're coming up with some awesome shit. It's only my second day with these guys. And like... Coming up with a lot of cool shit, great vibes, good dudes, and uh, anybody that hasn't checked it out. And if you're into this scene, into the pop punk stuff, make sure you check it out. I definitely will. I'm all about yeah, that. Yeah, man. All right, man. Derek, honestly, this was a special episode, episode 100. Special guest. Like, we really do appreciate this conversation that we got to have with you. And 100, man. That's super special. Congrats, you guys. Thanks for having Thanks. me, dude. I, I'm surprised that there's 100 dudes in this scene that love hockey and alternative music like and and fuck with you guys <laughs> yeah right exactly <laughs> but no this was really really fun you guys are awesome man i would do it again so thanks for having me bro All hell right, man. yeah man we'll let you get back to uh being producer extraordinaire frontman designer whatever else you got going <laughs> on man <laughs> thanks man hey here's to 100 more episodes all right all right man thank you Cheers. brother have a good one all right, take care, boys. Peace.